supernatural God love in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Lake Church. <laughs> We're going to have a good time this morning. Um, if you've seen the graphic already, we've kind of given away a little bit of it, but uh, <laughs> how many of you uh, enjoyed the uh, interview testimonies last week? That yeah. All those of you who aren't saying yes, you must not have been here. Shame, shame. <laughs> no, you missed out on it. It was a powerful time. Uh, Brother John Hurd set up here and interviewed three different people about their testimonies of their conversion experience and what God has done in their lives. And, you know, it's just amazing. Really, I was thinking about this earlier that God is a worker of miracles. You know, He heals the sick, He causes the blind to see, He does all of those things. But the greatest miracle is the miracle of a transformed life. You know, <clears throat> because you have to understand that all of us, because if you go back in our genealogy far enough, you find out that we were born of a rebel. Our bloodline is, is from the ultimate rebel. That when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and they disobeyed God and they partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... They actually took on the nature of the devil. We're all born with a rebellious nature. Actually, the nature of the ultimate rebel, which is the devil. <clears throat> and so God sent Jesus to provide redemption for us. That by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven of that original sin and be born again of the nature and the character of God. And so the transformation that happens in a person's life when they surrender to God is the greatest miracle. It's the most, you know, to see someone go from rebellion to God to surrender to God is the greatest miracle. And so that's what my story is about, is my journey from rebel, from rebel to resurrection. <laughs> And, you know, that, that rebel nature begins to manifest itself in your life gradually. As I was thinking about my life, I started thinking about when I started to first notice that spirit of rebellion in my life. And see, as you can tell by this picture right here, I started out as an angel. <laughs> I was mom and dad's little angel. <laughs> oh, it's all right. It's okay. We're going to laugh this morning. Laugh, uh, Mary Hart does good like medicine. The, the anointing of God. And I'm going to allow you to laugh at me today for your good. <laughs> no, my prayer is that my story bring you hope. And that you will see... That listen, God doesn't need uh, someone who's strong to be able to do something through their life. He needs somebody who's surrendered. And that's, that's the key. And, and even in, as a Christian, once you've been born again, you can continue to operate in that sp spirit of rebellion. You can continue to walk not surrendered to God. And your name may be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You may be on your way to heaven when you die. But you can continue to experience hell on earth right here and now. If you don't surrender. Because God has good. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. For good and not evil. For blessing and not cursing. But we always think we know better. And we always have a plan. For, but God has a great fulfilling plan for your life and if you just surrender to it God has things for your life that you could never dream up for yourself that will fulfill you in a way that you can never find fulfillment any other way because he designed and created you for a specific purpose in life and the problem is is that we go through life trying to make our own way and trying to find our own fulfillment and um, what we find out, it's because, of our, it's because of our rebellious spirit. 
and we never ever find our way. I'm going to show you a few pictures here as I was growing up. This picture is me holding a Kiss album. And, uh, you know, Pastor is excited about that one. I was a Kiss fan at a young age. And, you know, I still love that music and stuff. But, you know what I see? Here's another one here. This is not long after that. 1980 was when Back in Black, ACDC Back in Black was released. That was the first music I ever bought. And I still like the sounds today. But what I was realizing is that uh, rock and roll, if you could sum up rock and roll in one word, it's rebellion. <clears throat> Here's another picture. Here's me holding a Molly Hatchet album. Anybody remember Molly Hatchet flirting with disaster? Boy, was I. I didn't realize it, but flirting with disaster. You know, I was thinking about <laughs> when I was looking at these pictures, these were, these were, these are the ways that the devil was strategically and subtly moving into my life. You don't realize, but what you hear it, what you hear through your ears is a gateway to your heart. And I wasn't just, see, the, the devil knows how to get you. And those sounds, oh, I still love the sound of Angus's guitar. I still love that sound. But those sounds and those messages were resonating with the rebellious spirit that was in my heart. And I don't blame them, but I was actually identifying with personalities and messages that are actually anti-God and ungodly. And the devil was subtly, as I said, and strategically entering in little by little to my life. And it wasn't just entertainment, because if you see in this next picture, I began to want to take on... The personality there. <laughs> if you don't know ACDC, you don't get that picture. But that is the schoolboy outfit of Angus Young, the lead guitarist of ACDC. I was about 15 years old there. I didn't just like their music. I wanted to be them. I began to take on that rebellious personality and lifestyle that they promoted. And I look at that today, and I look back at these things, and I say, man, the devil was working, and I didn't even realize it. You know, we used to laugh because the church would talk about the dangers of these groups and stuff. We used to laugh at it and make fun of it and stuff. But I look back now, I can just see, can't you see how this was going, moving forward in my life? And here's a you know, uh, here, here's another picture. This is where I'm 20 years old. That's me on the left. Can't see it very well. <laughs> Can you see the transformation? I was becoming more and more. Listen, here's a spiritual principle you need to understand. You become what you behold. Whatever you fix your gaze on and you look at, you'll transform into that same image. You become what you set your affections on. And the problem was, is we were created to set our affections on God so that we would naturally be transformed and conformed to the image of His Son. But we get our eyes on other things that resonate with and feed our rebellious nature because we want to do what we want to do. I remember saying that. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live my life. That was my, that was my anthem when I was a teenager. And um, I didn't realize this, but when you, are, um, when you are without Christ and you're not walking with Christ, you are being led about by the spirit of the devil. There's no two ways about it. In Ephesians chapter uh, two, I wasn't planning on reading this, but let's just flip over here real quick. Let me just show you this. In Ephesians chapter 2, this is to the church. So he's talking to redeemed people. 
but he's talking about their past. He says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. That means dead to the influence uh, and power of God in your life because you're spiritually separated from God. In which you once walked according to the course of this world and according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Man, that's heavy right there. Before Christ, we are being led about by a spirit, a spirit of disobedience, a spirit of rebellion, of disobedience toward God. And we're following the course of the world, or as pastor has taught us, the set times of the culture that we were raised up in. That's what you're looking at. You're seeing me transformed and conforming to the culture that I grew up in, which was that rock and roll rebel culture and it resonated with that rebel nature that was in me because of my uh, being born in sin which we all are through Adam that's why every person has to come to the place to where they surrender to Christ and receive the nature of God if they're going to be able to walk and live in the plan or the course that God has for your life the course or the culture of the kingdom of God. And so I was moving along in this, in this course of the world and the culture that I grew up in. I'm going to show you one more picture, and I have my shirt off in this picture, so I hope that doesn't offend anybody. But This is my mom. She, my parents got divorced when I was in uh, seventh grade. And, that, man, that was a tragedy that struck my life. And I used that... I was thinking about this. I used that as a way to indulge my rebellious nature and to justify my actions while doing it. My parents were uh, separated. We lived in Shawnee at the time. My parents were separated, and me and my dad moved here to Manford. And uh, because of the living situation, I, I'm just going to be transparent with you guys. I went where I could get away with the most stuff. <laughs> just, <laughs> I did. I used that as a way to just do what I wanted to do. If I thought I could go to my mom's house and get away with more, I'd go there. If I, wanted, if I, I went with my dad because I knew what kind of lifestyle my dad was living at the time, and I knew I was going to be able to get away with stuff. It's just... It's that rebellious nature that seeks out your own will. And that's really the whole key. Pastor said it in service earlier. Jesus came to deliver us from ourself. We're our worst enemy. Our, putting our desires before God's desires is what leads us into so much destruction. But this, this picture here was that my mom, she got remarried when I was 20. And I went to the wedding. And... Uh, Anyway, this is as soon as the wedding was over. They got married at their house. We're out in the driveway having a reception. And a few minutes later, I've got my shirt off. You can see. <laughs> you can see. Who does that? <laughs> who does that? I'm just showing you this to show you that I was rebellious. I didn't care what I was there for or who, you know, who it was dishonoring. I was there, honestly, I was there for the party. That's what I was there for. And so you can see how this was working in my life. I was, I was growing more and more rebellious and, and getting more and more deeper and deeper. Because at this time, when I, when I became uh, 13 years old, that's when I started experimenting with drugs. And I, I, it didn't take long. All I wanted to do was get high day and night. That was, that was kind of my thing. And when I was a junior, uh, junior, well, I went to enroll for my senior year in high school. They said, you're still a junior because I had skipped so much school my junior year. They said, you're, a, you're not going to be a senior. You're going to be a junior. So I never went back. <laughs> I'm just trying to paint a picture for you for how, of how rebellious I was in regards to any type of authority 
where, whether it was my parents, whether it was school, God, um, in every way, I was just, I had this, this rebellious nature, just, and it was growing. That's what I want you to see is it was a process, and it was just getting bigger. It was getting stronger and stronger, and the manifestations of it were getting more and more obvious. Now, listen, you might not have manifested the rebellious nature to the level that I did, but you have manifested it in your life to some degree, <clears throat> okay? So not long after that, when I was 20 in December, I had uh, my son, Jake. And that was a life-changing event in my life. It was a life-changing event having a son. I was so proud of him and so excited to have him. I can still remember when he was born. The very first time I saw him is etched in my mind like it was yesterday. I can see that little they had that little cap on him. I could see them little blue eyes peeking out at me, and he was so, so calm, and that was, that was etched in my mind, and it made me want to change because I knew that my life wasn't what it was supposed to be to be the kind of father that I wanted to be. But I'm telling you, at this time, the, the addiction, the spirit of addiction and the spirit of rebellion was so Strong. I was so bound by it that what I did is I tried to put the substances at bay. I tried to hold those at bay and work during the week and then fry <laughs> It was the weekend was the party. It was, you know, it was partying. And I'm ashamed to say it, but I was just doing the best that I could to hold it off in that time. I was trying to... Here's what I want you to get. In my own strength, I was doing the best that I could to hold that off and try to change and be a, a better person. That, that's what I had. That's a thought that I had. A few years later, my daughter was born. Allie, she's sitting here up on the front row. I remember the first time that I saw her. She was born in the afternoon. I remember they held her up. She looked like her mom. She had the brown hair, brown eyes. I was so excited. I mean, my kids were, I want to show you this picture. Here's one of my favorite pictures in the world. This was me holding Allie right after she was born and Jake sitting there beside me. But even as great as that was, the enemy had such a hold in my heart that I was in this battle without the weapons to be able to fight and be successful. And I, I achieved periods of time where I was able to hold that stuff down. But when it's your nature, it's your nature. You know, when you talk about nature, when I say, what is the nature of a fish? To swim. What's the nature of a bird? To fly. What's the nature of a sinner? What's the nature of a rebel? To rebel. And that was... That was what was going on in my life. And here's the thing. I think I look at this picture. I look at God's grace and goodness was so good to me then. You know, because the Bible says in Psalms that children are a reward and a blessing from God. And I didn't deserve anything from God. I had rejected God. Um, you know, I grew up around the church and I actually a lot of religion. So I was like, I want nothing to do with the church especially, and I don't want anything to do with God, and I actually tried to convince myself that God didn't exist, you know, so that I could just do what I wanted to do. And I look at that and I say, God was good to an undeserving rebel. And he is. But I didn't have the ability to enjoy the gifts that God gave me like he wanted me to. And when you're not, when you're rebelling against God, God can give you good things. He can give you great gifts, and you're not able to enjoy them. Okay? I hope that makes sense. <clears throat> but the story changed. So, actually, um, a few years later after that, uh, my kid's mom and I divorced, which... It brought up a lot of the same stuff that I experienced when my parents divorced. 
And the way my dad handled that was exactly the same way I handled it. What I saw my dad model, I just did the same thing. And when my dad and my mom got divorced, my dad went full on into partying and drugs and, and alcohol. And so I was at a place where I, my kids, who I was used to being with every day, suddenly I wasn't with them every day. And I had this time and, you know, idle time is the devil's workshop <laughs> and I just went full on into the throes of addiction and I mean it got bad and it got to the point to where um, you know we were involved in a lot of criminal activity and I started having uh, run-ins with the cops and I ended up getting arrested several times spent times in jail and I was just in a place in my life where I just and I was just so sick and tired of just everything going wrong but you know what rebels do they blame everybody else they blame everybody else I remember hearing Jesse talk about his testimony I blamed my parents I blamed my ex-wife I blamed everybody and everything for the situation that I was in and in that time I had gotten clean because I had to, because I was on <laughs> probation for a while, and I got clean, and in that time, I met Rhonda, and um, we went on a date, we hit it off, we, it was like we'd been friends our whole life, we just talked, and we, we've been together ever since, but even then, I put her through so much, because there were times that I'd disappear for days, you know, whenever I was in that, but then I would, <laughs> you know, and I'm just being honest with you guys. I just want you to see the full, the full scope of what I'm talking about here. But um, I got clean for a while, and um, I was going to rehab classes and taking rehab classes. I was doing the, the ten step. <laughs> And I'm just, the day I graduated those classes, I used drugs. Just shows you that you don't have the ability to change and transform your life. And so I ended up uh, in jail again. I'm trying to give you an overview of this. It was actually, I had been gone, and uh, I, came, I came home. Rhonda and I were living together at the time. And uh, she had decided she was going to break off the relationship. And I didn't know it. But I showed up, and I actually got arrested in our driveway that day and went to jail. And I called her from jail, and she said, this is what she said, Boy, you better, <laughs> you better wake up. She said, God loves you. And God has a plan for your life, but you're he just heading full on into destruction. And you better wake up. You know, because it was just thing after thing after thing. And, you know, like I said earlier, I, was, I grew up in the church, so I knew I had heard the gospel. But when she said that, she spoke truth to me. I just had this, this realization, you know, that my life was the, re the condition of my life was all because of me. And I realized it wasn't my parents' fault. It wasn't my ex-wife's fault. It was my fault. And the great revelation I had was it was because I had rejected God in my life and was rebelling against him. And I was in a cell with about 20-some guys, and when I hung up the phone, I had such a, just such a, a revelation. When I hung up the phone, I literally dropped to my knees, and I just prayed. And I wasn't a religious person. I, you know, I wasn't spiritual. And I just prayed, and I said, God, I realize that I have rejected you and that my life is the condition that it's in because I have not allowed you to be God over my life. And this day, 
I put my trust in you. If you can do anything with my life, I surrender to you and I call on you to save me and to deliver me and to change my life. And I don't know how to tell you, but when I got up, I was looking out of different eyes. I, I was totally changed and I had this supernatural hope and I was in jail and I didn't know how long I was going to be there and I said Lord this isn't I, I literally said this because I've seen people do this before I said this is not jailhouse religion if I'm here two weeks or 20 years I'm going to serve you every day for the rest of my life I surrender to you and I ask you to change my life and deliver me and I want to I want to read this these few verses in Psalm 107 in the Passion, this describes exactly my experience um, in what I just shared with you. In verse 10 of Psalm 107, this is in the Passion Translation, he says, Some of us once sat in darkness, living in the dark shadows of death. We were prisoners to our own pain, chained to our regrets. For we, we rebelled against God's word and rejected the wise counsel of God most high. So he humbled us through our circumstances. You know what? I think about this. I look at it now when I was going to jail, the last time especially. I rejoice because that circumstance caused me to review my life and look at things with clarity and to realize what had happened <clears throat> God will allow us to eat the fruit of our own ways and that's the goodness of God that he does that <laughs> I see that now I didn't see it before so he humbled us through our circumstances watching us as we stumbled with no one there to pick us back up our own pain became our punishment then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. <laughs> you know, whoever, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I cried out, Lord, help me, rescue me. And he did. It says his light broke through the darkness. And he led us out in freedom from death's dark shadow. And he snapped every one of our chains. So lift your hands and give thanks to God for his marvelous kindness and for his miracles of mercy for those he loved. For he smashed through heavy prison doors and shattered the steel bars that held us back just to set us free. Hallelujah. And if you've ever experienced that in your, in your life personally, then you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I didn't qualify for anything. It was in my darkest hour that the goodness of God shined the brightest. That was what overwhelmed me so much was to realize that it, at my worst, it, it, that's when the goodness and the love of God were revealed. The Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's the revelation of the love of God through the cross that arrests a person's heart and causes them to understand his love and his grace and his mercy and causes them to be able to come to God, to repent and to draw near to him and to cry out to him. And he's faithful to help us. So my life changed. You know, I remember, you know, I called my dad from jail and I said, Dad, I was so excited. <laughs> I said, Dad, I got saved. And he goes, well, I sure hope so. <laughs> and uh, I would have had the same response if I was him as well. It didn't bother me a bit because I knew what happened because it happened inside me. But people have to see the outworking of that in your life to be able to understand 
what had happened. That moment, I was born again. I was born from above. I was born of heaven. I was born of the Spirit of God. I became a son of Almighty God, and I took on His divine nature and His divine life, and I had a new hope for a future. And I had the ability now to begin to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit and to enter into the destiny and the purpose and the plan that God had for my life before there was a foundation of the world. I didn't even know that I had that. <laughs> but he began to reveal it to me. And so many things happened. I kind of chunked my notes. Well, I kind of had a timeline going. But so many things happened so quickly. You know, I mean, I was changed. And I didn't come to Jesus. You know, I'd heard, I'd heard preaching so much in my life. I, listen, I didn't come to, to him to rescue me from a future hell. I, I asked, I cried out to him to deliver me from a present hell that I was already living in. And listen, a future hell is real. And thank God that when we're justified that we don't have the expectation of the wrath of God, but we have an expectation of his glory. But listen, I was crying out. And here's the important thing. This is what I want you to get. I wanted him to change me. I was so acquainted with how depraved I was that what I wanted was for him to change and transform me. And there's so many believers, help me say this in the way it needs to be said, Lord. There's so many believers that are content with a ticket to heaven, but they really don't want God they don't want to surrender and, and surrender to the will of God to change them and transform them. Oh, man. And they're content to keep living oh, in that same spirit of rebellion. Oh. I wanted change so bad that I totally, I totally just laid everything down. And God, listen, God, you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. I'm telling you that God wants to fast track your life. And the only thing that slows it down is your rebellious heart. <laughs> the only thing that slows it down is my rebellious heart. We got to repent. We got to change our thinking. We got to realize that this world doesn't have anything to offer us, but God can bring beauty out of your ashes. He can bring pleasure out of your pain. He can bring purpose out of your pain. He can bring redemption out of your rebellion. And he can bring restoration to the brokenness of your life if you just surrender and let him. So in those first few months after I got saved, um, you know, and I, here, here's just a, here's a picture. I'm just going to share this. But Rhonda and I were living together. We weren't married. We were living together. And we, we both said, you know, we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together, but we wanted to do it. We wanted to glorify God. And so we got married three months later. And um, <clears throat> we said it in our hearts that we were going to go after God with all. I, you know, here's what I said. I served the devil with all my heart. I'm going to serve God even harder. <laughs> you know, I, I served the devil and I gave him everything. And when I surrendered to the Lord, I said, I'm going to pursue him with everything I've got. And we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We had Bible studies. We would go on Saturday nights to services and stuff. I mean, we just, our whole life was just, I, I just... I just threw myself into, because I didn't want to go back to that. And I realized that what God had done in me, that, was, that it required me submitting to a process, 
of God transforming and changing my life and getting me going in the direction that he wanted me to go. And I wanted it so bad. And we would have Bible studies with Rhonda's uncle, which was a divine appointment that two weeks before I, I went to jail and got saved, he started a Bible study with her mom and her aunt. And so when I came out, we started going to that Bible study and he was teaching you know, new creation realities, things I never heard before. He was teaching things that just brought liberty and excitement to my life. He was teaching the apostles' doctrine. He was teaching out of the New Testament what it means to be born again, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what it means to cast devils out of your life and find freedom and, and health and, and, you know, divine healing and deliverance. He was teaching all those things and and man, our lives just began to change. And, and he actually, he, you know, I would just, I couldn't get enough. I was like, I mean, I remember when he was teaching, I was just, I was just sitting there, man. I was taking notes. I was listening. I'd say, read that scripture again. I remember doing that. He read, he read his scripture. Well, he read the Colossians 1 27. It says, the mystery of the ages has been revealed, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I said, read it again. <laughs> I remember doing that. I was just so excited. And, um, man, I just got so many things going through my mind. I was so excited. And I said, I, I need more. I can't get enough. He goes, well, take this website. Go look this guy up. He's got all his radio programs for free on there. You can listen to your heart's content. So he gave me Andrew Womack's website. And I, every day when I got home from work, I would get on the computer and I would start listening to his message. I'd listen for four or five hours. And I had a pile of papers this high because as he talked, I was writing, just copying everything that he was saying. And so much so, I spent so much time with the Lord and in the Word that Rhonda was jealous of God for a while. You know, she's like, can you come out and be with the rest of the family? But then, you know, she would tell you today, she's so thankful for that because that's what changed and transformed my life. And listen, you have to cooperate with the process. In Philippians, Paul said, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. In that jail cell, Christ laid hold of me. And I made it my, I, I made it my uh, life's goal to lay hold of that for which he laid hold of me. And that's one thing I think people don't get. Is they're content with just Christ get laying hold of them. And they're not really ready to press on and to lay hold of that, which is the purpose for which he laid hold of them. And so, man, I went to Bible school. I got the, that... In that September, we went to a word explosion. Like I said, we were going to as many services we could go to. And they were talking about Victory Bible College and would you go there if you had the opportunity? We want you to stand if you would. We want people who want to pray for you and they want to give you some literature, the ushers. And I remember, you know, they're talking about it and I'm, I'm looking around going, how did I get standing up? And so... <laughs> The people gathered around, laid hands on me and stuff, and the next fall I was going to Bible school. And I began, my grandpa had a church at the time, that's where we went first. We started going to his church, and he would say, Kevin, come up here, I want you to tell people, tell the people what happened to you. And I'd get up there, and my heart was so overwhelmed, I'd just cry. I would just, <laughs> I'd just get up there and cry and say, God, deliver me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was so genuine it was just so real I was just so overwhelmed that God would do that in my life and so um, I started going to Bible school I started learning I started you know we served in the church kids ministry youth ministry I did worship we did all kinds of stuff we did whatever we did whatever was put before us and here's a key for you especially if you, those of you who feel like God has a calling on your life to ministry, whatever is presented to you, do it with all your heart, and you'll make progress. But if you continue in that spirit of rebellion and you don't do what God gives you opportunities to do, you're not going to progress, and you're going to be frustrated. And eventually, we began to do Bible studies uh, at home, 
And to my surprise, they started to grow. And before we knew it, we outgrew the living room. And uh, Rhonda's uncle had a barn there that used to be an auction. And we said, hey, why don't we just go out here and start meeting in the barn? And it just started growing, and more and more people started coming. And so we established a church there. And it was crazy because it was a barn. We had a wood stove in there. And people, I mean, we had 100 people in there at times. And we were just having a good time in the Lord. And so I just want to show you something. I want you to see the process and realize that if you will continue allowing the Lord to lead you and surrender to every step, God will lead you into the place that he wants you to go. So here's me in the barn playing guitar. I looked a lot younger there, didn't I? And skinnier, too. And here's a picture of the side seats in the congregation. And we were worshiping, and we were holy rollers as well. So you can see here, me and my friend Tyree were out in the floor for a while with the spirit of laughter. And it was just, uh, it was just a time of just actually, you know, using my gift and learning to lead worship and learning to preach is learning to be led by the Spirit. And we continued in that for a while, and then we moved on to, we felt like the Lord was leading us to get out of the barn, get off private property, and get something that the church, you know, could establish, you know, as its own. So we moved into a building in Drumright. And listen, ministries work. (laughs) This is a picture of the building when we first got it. It was a wreck, and we turned it into a a really nice place, but it was people gathered around and everybody doing their part to make a vision come to pass. And so we spent some time over there. There was our first little sign that we put up, and here on April 24th, um, on Easter 2011, I believe it was, we had our first service in there. Bart Kelly is up there with us. We were uh, beginning. There was me preaching the first time at that church, and it just began to it just began to evolve and change. I met uh, Pastor Greg during that time. Bart Kelly, who was in that picture in the white shirt there, he brought Pastor Greg over. Um, one night and we sat down and visited and the Lord it was a divine appointment for me to be where I am today here it was just God but I had to surrender to what God wanted to do which isn't always easy but here's me preaching that first service here's me preaching another time but um I was frustrated, too, because I was realizing that I was hitting the threshold of where I could lead the church to, and so I was crying out to God, and he revealed to me that I didn't have any leaders in my life, and that's when I met Pastor, and I had to, I had to begin to surrender to God's will, moving me in another direction. And here's a big divine appointment in my life. This is the night at Catalyst 2012 where Pastor Greg ordained me under Lake Church ministry. Now, for those of you, you know, think about this. You're pastoring a church, and now you're coming under the leadership of another pastor, and God's beginning to change what's going on in your life. That requires a pretty good deal of submission. You know, Abraham was faced with offer your son Isaac to me. He had to raise the knife to what he had been given by God. And um, that's what this was. It was God wanting to take me to another level of influence to be able to use me in a greater capacity. And it requires submission and surrender to the will of God. You got listen, that's that's really what I'm trying to get across to you is that all God is really needing out of you is surrender 
being willing to lay down your rebel spirit <laughs> and allow God to resurrect in you what he desired for you before he ever created you is what he needs. So from there, we went to Oilton. This is us in Oilton, Lake Church, Oilton, when we had that campus there. Here's us leading worship there. God was doing, you know, great things and really doing a work in us at that time. And in 2015, God spoke to myself and Pastor Greg uh, that I was to come over here and begin to lead worship in Manford. So here's a picture of that first day when we were here. These are just milestones that I never would have gotten to if I wasn't willing to surrender to what God and that's what I want you to get is that you have to surrender. Here's another picture. Here's me preaching over in the other auditorium. Things that I saw back in the barn, God was bringing to pass, but there was about 10 years of time that passed in that. <clears throat> and here is really this picture here. I was looking at it. This is really a manifestation of what I saw years ago at the barn. Who would have thought from the pit to the pulpit <laughs> that God, you know, but I can't take credit for any of it other than submission and surrender to the will of God and what he wanted. Now, that might not be your dream, but what is your dream? What have you seen in your heart that God wants to do in your life? Because, listen, God isn't going to... Here's the problem. So many people, they come up with what they want, and then they want God to bless it. God's, your, God's plan for your life is already blessed. You just got to get in alignment with the plan that God has for your life. And then it's already blessed. And then it's just a process of continuing to submit and to surrender to the next step that God puts on in front of you. And to do it with all your heart. And to do it with all your heart. And, and he said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he'll add all these other things to you. So many of us, we are working, trying to work out our life and trying to fix our life and trying to, trying to do everything in our own strength. And we're so concerned with all the things going on around us in our life that we ignore the kingdom of God and then we wonder why we're not seeing everything else that we desire. He said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then he'll add all of these other things to you. And listen, as we gave our lives to the ministry, as we gave our lives to the pursuit of God and the calling that he had placed on our life, he began to work everything else out in our personal life. And, you know, there's just so much that could be told, but I just want to show you a few pictures that, um, you know, God has brought Rhonda and I to a place where I'm not just saying this, but we have a, you know, we have a, a heaven on earth relationship. We have an awesome, awesome marriage. And it wasn't always that way. <laughs> it required submitting and surrendering to the plan of God. And he as you pursue God, as you both pursue God, your lives begin to be woven together. And God begins to restore your life. And so he blessed, he's blessed us in our marriage. And then here are our kids. You know, I think about Job. What did he get? Double? What? You know, I had two kids of my own. She had two kids of her own. And as we allowed the Lord to begin to restore our lives and put our lives together, now we have four kids. We got double what we had before. And now we have 
four grandkids. <laughs> and um, God, you know, so not only in, you know, what God called us to do in the kingdom, but also in our personal lives, God has just been faithful. And I guess what I want to say is, you know, just continue to surrender and submit every step of the way. God's not looking for your strength. He's looking for your submission and your surrender to what he wants. And if you'll do that, God will cause everything else to work out in your life. It's cooperating with him. It's being a partner with him. Not, not rebelling, but going from, re, from rebel to a resurrection of your life. You know, and what does that mean about resurrection life? It means that you begin to experience Jesus living his life through you. You begin to experience the life of God's design and the life that God desires for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Father God, we just thank you so much for your goodness. I just thank you for what you've done for us through Jesus so that we can come into what you always planned and desired for our life, Father God. I just pray over these people, Father, that they would find uh, hope for their future, that they will find the hope in the future that you have for them, Father God, that we would repent of our rebellious nature and rebellious spirit and that we would surrender and we would submit to your will for our life. Father God, for your glory, so that you can work in and through us for your glory, Father God, so that we can be a vessel to declare your name to those who don't know you, so we can cause your story in our life to be seen by others so that they will desire that same kind of relationship with you that we've experienced, Father God. We give you praise and we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesse.